Good morning, Strong Tower Church. Um, man. <laughs> um, I pray for all the people that desire order in their life because I can be the bearer of bad news. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I have just found in journeying with the Lord, um, the only order that makes sense is his order. As much as I try, and I've tried, I'm, I'm one of those, like I try hard, right? <laughs> um, man, his ways don't make sense to me. They don't. I try and I try and I try, and it's the thing that keeps me coming back to him is because as much as it doesn't make sense, it always works out. So this morning, we are grateful, grateful to be in a place where we understand we are redeemed. And I, I don't know who this is for this morning, but it's for someone. Um, as I was sitting there, just heard the Lord just begin to unpack and speak. Uh, and someone needs to hear and understand. If, if you don't have a place to call home, um, you really need to consider calling this place home. And, and, and this is why Pastor Ben didn't like message me and ask me to say this or nothing like that. This, this is why. What I know is you don't have the ability to save yourself. So why are you trying to live your life by yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could do it, you would have already done it. So because you don't have that ability, you needed a savior to bring you to the place where you could have life again. You need a place and people that can help you to continue to walk in that life. So consider making a, this place a place that you can call home. Is it perfect? No. That place does not exist on this earth. But are there people that love the Lord? Is there a place where you can come to grow in him, where you can find connection and family? You can find those things in this place. So Father, my prayer this morning is that you would help me, help us to, to be open to hear your word. The genius and majesty of who you are is the fact that you will reach everyone regardless of the perspective that they have walked into this room with. You know the person that has been mature in their faith and has walked with you for a long time and the person who is far from you. You reach every person in between. And so this morning I ask that you would open our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the churches, what your spirit is saying on this earth. That you would open our eyes to see, that you would soften our hearts to be moldable and shaped for you again. And every word that comes forth this morning would be a seed that is deposited and planted in good soil. That in due and in good time will reap and bear the fruit that you called it to bear. God, we know your word is true and we stand on that regardless of our circumstances. Because circumstances didn't bring us to this place. Your redemption brought us to this place. So we say thank you. We say yes and amen. Help us, sinners saved by your grace, to be open to what you have for us this morning. In your wonderful name, we ask these things. Amen. You all can be seated. Um,
there, there is a lot to say, and I feel like a little bit of time. So I'm like, Lord, help me, um, help me this morning. But uh, I want to thank uh, the, the, the shepherds of this house, Pastor Ben um, and Miss Nikki, uh, just for the opportunity to be here, um, to be able to share and present this work with you today. Um, they have been uh, great friends to me, to my family, and I'm grateful for them. Uh, I'm grateful for this body. Um, and uh, I also want to honor and acknowledge my wife who's here with me today. Um, we always talk about um, in these moments when you kind of get to share or you get to speak and present the word. And I always am like, oh, you don't have to come. I mean, I'm, I know you support me. I appreciate it. And she's always like, no, like we are family. And so this is what it means. So thank you, Gwen, for that. Um, you're the greatest blessing outside of Jesus in my life. <laughs> Um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, this morning, we're going to be jumping into a conversation. And so I want to provide some context. Um, and then we're going to walk through this uh, and understand what's taking place. A lot of times the way that we will engage scripture, we, we are expecting to be preached to. And we're not looking at the context that sometimes we're actually just reading about a conversation that took place. This morning, what we're going to be gleaning from is a conversation that takes place between Paul, Peter, and the people in Galatia at the time. And so what we get to draw from that is what Paul was bringing to the attention of Peter, someone grounded in the faith, someone that was not only appointed by Jesus, but sent off. And what did, what did Jesus say? On this rock, Peter, I will build my church. But we're going to reflect on this conversation because what comes out of this is fruitful to our lives if we are willing to hear and then apply. And so the, the context of this scripture this morning will be coming from Galatians 2, verse 15 through chapter 3, verse 12. And I know you all have started into your Sola series. Uh, and this morning we're going to be continuing to pick up. Um, this morning we're going to be talking about faith alone. Sola fide. And as we talk about this, um, to me, it's not just a reminder, it's course correction. Because somewhere between Sunday at like 12 something when we get out of here and Sunday morning, um, a lot happens. And I, I have this propensity to kind of drift off. And I move from the place where, God, I know you is central to my life and understanding to, God, I got this, to, God, I know I need you. Um, I'm just going to keep doing this work and keep attaching you to it. Um, and we move into these various places where we want and we desire to love and to serve the Lord. And as Paul said, the things that I desire to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I continue to do. So in Galatians 2, starting in verse 15, it reads, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. 
In verse 18, it reads, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. And I'm going to stop there because I want to, again, paint this context. So what happens is the apostles are going about and, and their responsibility is to ensure that the gospel message is being presented. And it's being presented in truth. Paul, at some point, has this experience and goes from the person that is literally seeking out Christians to kill them to now becoming a man that is going to promote and push the gospel message forward. And there's this approval that comes by way of the apostles that they are approving this work that Paul is doing. So that's some of the backdrop of what's taking place. And in this moment in Galatia, what has happened is Paul has already begun to go about spreading the gospel, teaching, churches being birthed in Galatia. And as a result of that, Peter, as he is coming across the land, ends up in Galatia, and as he is interacting with Christians in this space, something else begins to take place. Peter gets there, and he's dining with Jews, and he's working and talking with them, and there's fellowship, and there's engagement in life together. He's coming over for dinner, and all of the normal things that happen when you are building and doing life together. And at some point, the Jewish Christians begin to come to Galatia. And when that happens, something in Peter begins to take place. Peter begins to spend time with the Jewish Christians. And then what begins to come out is, well, I don't know that we can spend as much time with the Gentiles because they do this and they do this and they do this. And the separation begins to take place between the Gentiles, the Jewish Christians, and Peter, who was once dining and, and fellowshipping with the Gentile Christians in Galatia, he begins to withdraw. And the Jewish Christians begin to move from this place that it was faith that brought us to this, this understanding and this connection as men and women who came to know who Jesus was, so where the Jewish Christians were now saying, well, you know, there are these things that we do as Jewish Christians that kind of separates us from Gentile Christians. And as Peter begins to almost be reminded of, his, of the, the laws of the Jewish Christians, of the way of the Jewish Christians, he begins to separate himself from the Gentiles. So here comes newly made Paul, who, again, is, if you understand anything about Paul, he makes a statement that he is Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul comes back into Galatia and he begins to kind of see this and he's like, wait a minute. What's going on? How did we move from this place of this is the gospel, this is the message that justification gave, came to us by faith which came to us as the result of the grace of God given to us to now it's, well, we know that exists, but we're trying to fit the law. We're fitting the traditions. We're fitting the, the legalism that came by way of the Jewish tradition, the Jewish way. And then what he notices is it's not just the Jewish Christians. He's like, Peter. You're like the face. 
You're one of the sent ones. And you are an example, but your example is connecting to something that we laid down. So what immediately takes place for Paul is he recognizes, wait a minute, I have to, I have to say something. This has to be addressed. See, for centuries, the Jews sought to live by the law, and they couldn't do it. If they could do it, it would have already been done. And as the result of that, it becomes central to Paul's message, which is, it couldn't be done by the law. It had to be justification by faith. So it goes back and it rings this point that we understand faith alone is why we have been justified. It's three things I just want you to continue to remember and kind of process as we walk through this faith alone. Faith alone is why we have been justified. See, the marvel of Jesus is always revealing itself in Scripture. He came to fulfill the law. Paul begins to highlight why not only was Jesus necessary, essential, and did he fulfill what the Word points out about him, but without Jesus, all we are left with is the law. See, our works can only point to what we believe makes us right. But if our works don't point to the work of Jesus, we have exchanged faith for Jesus for good intentions. And let's just say it, our good intentions don't bring about salvation. It's faith alone. See, sometimes on this journey, the only thing that we are able to hear, the only thing that we are able to understand, the only thing that makes sense is Jesus. Because on this journey, when we receive salvation and we begin to be changed and transformed a part of just the walking it out there's this drifting that happens where we move from the place of God Christ as the center to where my works become the justification how good I can be how much I can serve And when that happens, our works are now becoming the justification instead of justification by faith. See, justification by faith does not need to be taken away from or added to. It is justification by faith alone. And it becomes so important because when we begin to add to it, as the Jews were beginning to do, what it does, it actually nullifies the work of Christ on the cross. Because inadvertently, what we are saying is that Christ's work on the cross was not enough. 
And that's what the Jewish Christians in that time were beginning to communicate. They were pointing back to the same thing, the very thing that Christ's death and resurrection freed the people from. And not only did it free the people, but it created this new space where the Gentiles, who knew nothing about the Jewish law, they were not required to live by it. They were given the opportunity to not only be redeemed, but now come to know the gospel. And it was a part of the work on the cross. But when the Jewish Christians began to add to this justification, what they were communicating to Gentiles was that the justification wasn't enough. Now you also need to add and live this way. And Paul steps in because he wanted to communicate not only to Peter, but to the Jewish Christians. Every, every time that we communicate that, every time that's displayed, we are nullifying the work on the cross. We begin to make Christ his work in vain. See, grace is still grace. It just looks different at every turn. I don't know who that's for, but I need you to write that down. Grace is still grace. It just looks different at every turn. See, in verse 18, Paul says, If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. The justification that came through the law only highlights to us that we are the very people that break the law. It didn't, it didn't bring the Jews closer to salvation. It just continued to highlight for them they didn't have what it took. They didn't have what was necessary to actually fulfill the law. It revealed to us the sin that exists. And so it became necessary that there had to be one who would fulfill the law. So the, the, the marvel of God, and I like to call it just the genius of Jesus, is that in Genesis, you see that there's this pointing to Abraham. And you see that as that is communicated, a part of that lineage is you insert Jesus, and that it's the result of that. He is communicated as the one who would fulfill the law. Because Jesus becomes the only one who was able to live out the law. The only one. So while Peter is beginning to separate himself from the Gentiles, Paul is coming to provide correction to not only Jewish Christians, but then he turns and he addresses the, the, the Galatians, but the Gentiles. And he says to them, like, who betrayed you? Like, who provides this perspective for you now that you came to know who Jesus and who Christ was through faith, and now you believe that you have to do it by way of the law? And again, I think it is just the fullness of the work in us where 
God is not just seeking to address one people. He's seeking to address and provide the gospel message to all mankind. So he doesn't leave the Gentiles out in addressing the Jews. He says, hey, I have a message for you Jewish Christians and Gentiles. I want to remind you how you came to know me. It's the beauty and the nature of who he is. Salvation is not your work based, but it's based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. See, my prayer right now is that we would no longer be deceived by the enemy that seeks to legalize our process and relationship. If you want a contract, write up a contract. Jesus didn't die so that you would be bound to a contract. He gave up his life so that you would be free and that you could choose life eternally. When our works become the drive, when they become the justification, we are moving from this place of relationship, of love, of of connection and justification that comes because we believe and we're moving to this place of now, I receive this because I do this. That's contract. I get these benefits because I live this way. He was freeing us from that because that is bondage. So the idea of being free from that and then what Paul is pointing out is now to point back to the law like we are walking ourselves back into bondage. It nullifies what he died for. So the second thing that I want to highlight about faith is faith alone is why it works. It's the only reason why it works. See, it says that in Romans 5, 8, it it doesn't say that if we live right, we get to receive. When that gospel is presented to us and we understand that it comes by way of believing, it doesn't say that if we do the right things, we will receive. It doesn't say if we live out the law that we will receive. It says that if we believe... If we believe, which requires this action of faith to connect to the posture of our hearts, to be open to who Jesus is as Savior of our lives. When those things take place, this gift is not only able to be given to us, we are able to receive it. See, in verse 19, Paul begins to unpack that through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. It wasn't, again, it wasn't just about understanding the place that the law had. It was understanding what happens when we say yes to Christ. In doing so, we say 
we say that and we begin to recognize we are now dead to the law. To connect with Christ means to die with him and to be raised again. In doing so, we are now connecting ourselves to the fulfillment of the law. Which means we are no longer bound to the law. And in layman's terms, for us today, what it means is my responsibility is not to the works. My responsibility is to faith in him. The works become the outpouring of my posture and my decision to say, yes, God, it is my belief in you. And as the result of that, I choose to live this way. I choose to do X, Y, and Z. I choose to give. I choose to submit. That becomes the outpouring of my decision that, yes, God, I know that you have saved and redeemed me. That is where the justification comes by faith, not by my works. See, Paul was straightening out something that for the people during this time and for us today goes awry quickly. Because the majority of the time, our decisions are based on what we see. I choose to believe based on what I see. As much as I say I want to believe and walk in faith, and let's pause there before we move forward. Because what does faith mean? What? The evidence of things not seen. So we speak things that we don't and we have yet to connect ourselves to. I talk about faith because I have not connected to faith. To connect to the things that I have not seen means when I lose something, when the circumstances don't fit, when they don't make sense, that is not my determining factor. Because those are the things I see. When I talk about faith, it has to be result because of what I understand because I know that I am justified by faith. So the faith that I have to connect to and live out is one that is not seen. What does Jesus communicate to doubting Thomas? You believe because of what you see. But there is going to come a point in a people that will believe based on what they hear. Because the gospel has been presented and so they believe because of what they are hearing about who I am. Paul wasn't just highlighting something for the people of that day to live out. He was providing correct steps for us today in 2021 at Strong Tower Church to understand, which is my life has to be lived out in faith because the justification that I am seeking is not going to come by my works. And again, just the, the marvel of Scripture. It's not just daily instruction. It is life-breathing communication. And I say that because as I dig into this, the more that I delve in, the more that I delve in, and I ask the Holy Spirit to provide understanding for a book that was written before I I, was, I existed on this earth, but I'm trying to make sense out of it today. 
and he never fails. This is the, the, the wonder and the beauty of the God that we serve. When we go back to the Old Testament, what we see in the life of Abraham is Abraham is referred to as the father of faith. Think about that. It's not just words being written. It is the weaving and the tapestry that we are a part of as the believers, as believers in Christ. Because that reference as Abraham as the father of faith then becomes pivotal to people who are justified by faith. We remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Father Abraham. Y'all know the song. That's like you don't know it. <laughs> and we, we would sing that as kids with joy, right? You can get any kid everywhere to stand up and march, and I mean, they will dig in. And we laugh. Why? Because we didn't recognize what we were saying. We were making a proclamation about faith that today I stand up and recognize that the father of faith had many sons, i.e. father of many nations, humanity. It was the fingerprint of God writing out, this is what is to come for, for my creation. And what he says to Abraham, Abraham is what? His faith was added to him as righteousness. So you fast forward. The father of faith becomes the one that provides the lineage of what now becomes the fulfillment of the law and now justification. We are engrafted in as the result of what? We are those Gentiles who have been justified by faith. And so we look back to see where God in the Old Testament began to draw up the plans to redeem his creation. Because he didn't change the standard of the law so that we would be made right with him. He created an avenue in a way in which we could be made right with him as a result of our belief in him. And it is the miraculous work of God that we get to reflect on. See, when faith alone becomes our foundation, the way that we begin to posture ourselves changes. And this is kind of the, the last perspective that I, I want to provide is faith alone being the foundation. And the reason our foundation has to be set on faith is because outside of it, I can't believe that he who saves me and redeems me exists. Without faith, it is not only impossible to please God. Without faith, I can't believe 
in him who saved me. So faith alone has to become the foundation for us as the people of God. It has to be the way. And so as Paul began to move to now addressing kind of this greater conversation in chapter 3, he begins to unpack this idea of, wait a minute, how did we come to the place where we were justified by faith? Wasn't it through the Spirit? Wasn't it the Spirit of God that revealed this to us and it, it brought us to understanding? How do we now move away from the Spirit of God and move towards what we are able to do in our flesh? goes back to one of my opening statements, which is if, if we had the ability to do it already, we would have done it. And so what Paul is urging us to do, people of God, today is don't trade your justification that comes by faith in God for works that you are able to do in your flesh. Because as much as I try to pay all my bills, there's more month than money. As much as I try to serve my family and, and do all of the right things, I constantly finding myself have to go back and to repent and to apologize because the flesh took over and they received that instead of, man, the man, the child, the son of God who should be responding in love. As much as I desire to do right on my job or to serve those, and, and it was said this morning in the, the, the Bible study, as much as I desire to walk out of this building and, move, and be moved by compassion, to do what? To clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, to do all of the things that God calls us to do. I got more excuses than expense. Because somewhere in this process, I allow my foundation of faith to become my foundation of works. And it changes my posture. It changes the way in which I give. It changes the tools and resources. Because a shovel and a hammer in one hand or a shovel and a hammer in the hand of one person can be used to destroy, and that same, those same things in the hand of someone else can be used to build and to create. And I find myself moving from the person that can build and create and help support and establish to the person that, whether knowingly or unknowingly, destroys. The reality is, people of God, we weren't created to be justified by the law. Because God was the only one that could fulfill that. It just became apparent to us that we can't fulfill the law. And he knew the grace and the mercy of God stepped in before we even got to that point and said, I'm going to create a path and away. And now all you have to do is 
Remind yourself to remain connected to that way. And when you do that, you are clothed in my son. See, it's a faithful reminder that it has to be Christ and Christ alone. And that's what we get. He concludes kind of this conversation with the Gentiles and with Peter in chapter 3, verse 10. And he says that if we remain under the law, we are cursed. We're cursed under the law because we can't do it in our own. And what to me is really interesting is the number of times that Paul in this conversation comes back to highlighting hey, I need you to hear this. It is not by the law. I need you to understand this. It's not by the law. And he says it over and over again. And I don't know how many parents are in the room. And you don't have to be a parent to understand this. If you understand authority, you can understand this, which is when people repeat something over and over and over again, there's normally a reason why. They want you to understand something. They want you to pay attention to it. And their hope and desire is that you would listen and abide by it. So Paul is stressing to Peter and he's correcting there. He's stressing to the Jewish Christians, correcting there. He's pointing himself and posturing himself, himself to the Gentiles and he's correcting there. And he continues to come back to the place where he's saying it's not by the law. It can't be by the law because it doesn't make sense that we will be justified by faith and then all of a sudden have to be pointed back to the law. He says we didn't receive it by way of, of the flesh and so why would we receive it by the Spirit and see what God has done in that and then turn ourselves back to the law? And he spends the, this, this portion of Scripture rehearsing this conversation over and over and over. And he finally begins to conclude and in this conclusion... He just highlights it again. And he finally says, the righteous shall live by faith. What he was bringing this argument to was the point that our righteousness comes as the result of faith. Faith is what justifies us. And it is that alone. See, today is about recognizing who we are and who he is. We are God-breathed, created vessels who without a Savior have no way of being. No way of being made right. We are people who often try with everything in us to work our way into feeling better about our relationship with Jesus. Because it be can become difficult to accept the fact that he did that because he loves us. He took on the curse because he loves us. He gave up his life because he loves us. See, receiving that love without condition is difficult for us. It goes back to that idea of contract. Like, it's easier for us to understand justification by the law because 
there are works that are present. Justification by faith requires no work from us. And that doesn't make sense. Because we still have this inkling to earn what is being given to us. It's the reason why it's the greatest gift. Because there's no other gift that you will ever receive that you do not look at and say, oh, well, I did this. I earned this. There's something that I did that provided the opportunity or the way for this to take place. The justification that comes through faith is the result of what was already done for us. Because while we were yet sinners, he loved us. He died for us. See, in all our best efforts, we can't repair what Jesus was sent to redeem. It is the mystery of the gospel. Nothing we will bring about will change this justification. But if we believe, our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, adding nothing to it and taking nothing away from it, is what postures our hearts to receive this act of grace and love for us. See, my prayer today is that what you heard, what we witness as we reflect on this conversation that Paul has with Peter, with the Jews and the Gentiles, becomes a moment of reflection and for some of us correction to self-assess and ask the question, am I living a life that is justified by faith? Or am I living a life that is justified by my works? And if so, now's my time to stop. And I wish I could say, like, you could stop today and you're not going to have to deal with this tomorrow. But what do we do? We get up and we jump into our work week. We've conditioned ourselves to think work, to do work. We know that a part of what took place in the garden is that we will have to work the land. But again, the freedom that comes by receiving him is what I used to see and think of as work now becomes freedom in Christ. And so you hear people say, I don't just go to my job anymore. I go to a place where God wants to work. It's because they are seeing that God is on mission all the time. My workplace is not the place where I go to provide. My workplace is the place where God shows up because he's my provision. And you say, well, Ray, you can say that. You can say that when you have a job and you can say that when you don't have one. When your justification is by faith. But when your justification is by works, you identify with the things that you do, not he who created you. 
So, Father, my prayer this morning, for everyone that's heard this word that has been presented, there is a lot compacted into this conversation that Paul has. And the purpose of this word is not just to provide complete understanding, but more importantly, to provide seeds that would cause us to remain curious. Curious about who you are and how you work. To connect to this understanding that seeds have been planted. And a good gardener knows that unless you toil that ground, you water those seeds and you tend to that garden, you will never bear fruit. So help us today to recognize that you've deposited seeds. The same tending that Paul did in this passage in Galatians 2 and 3, the same tending to the gardens of those lives of followers of you, where he corrected some things that were pointing back to something that would nullify the work on the cross. You are doing that same tending right now in this moment. That we would recognize and understand that our works will never justify us in your eyes. Our works will never bring about the righteousness that is necessary for us to have right relationship with you. But it is faith alone. May that word be so deeply planted and rooted in our lives that it can't help but in due time the right season bring forth trees that will in time produce a forest of faith God we are men and women sons and daughters that are lost without you But when we find you, we find freedom. No longer bound to the curse of the law, but freedom in Christ. So God, if we don't know you today, I just want to take a moment to provide an opportunity to understand that you are Lord and Savior. Because of what you did before we knew you, when we were yet sinners, you gave your life so that we could come to know you. And there's no trick to it. There's no contract. It is a simple, simple decision to confess our sins, to repent, to confess that you are Lord and Savior, to believe in our hearts that you died, took on the curse, freed us, you rose again. And as the result of that, we get to say yes to you.
we get to receive you. And when we confess that, when we believe it, that you will come into our lives and make our hearts your throne room. And that in itself is enough. So for anyone that has not made that decision, and they would choose to, don't delay. Because what you see as a one-time opportunity has been the Savior knocking on your door for centuries, for years, moment after moment where grace has abounded. And you don't even know why. But it's been his knocking and his waiting and his patience and his knocking. And for those of us that already know who you got, that already know that we are saved and justified by faith, but you needed to knock again to remind us that it wasn't our works that opened that door. It wasn't our works that justified us. It wasn't our works that brought you close. It was faith alone. May it be renewed in us today. May it be a reminder that nothing else will ever create or pave the way. And it is the foundation that brings us to you. If you would like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd just say this, find someone in a strong tower shirt. They'll get you to the right person. So God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for ears to hear because you don't connect with us to tickle our ears or to please our fancies. And you don't connect with us to entertain us. You connect with us because you are seeking to save us. And that desperation to be saved by you will always trump my desire to be entertained by you. Have your way in us. Till the day that we are able to return and be connected with you again, face to face. Oh, what a glorious day. We ask this in your name, Jesus.